The whole trend in technology has been to devise machines that are less and less under direct control and more and more seem to have the beginning of a will of their own. A chipped pebble is almost part of the hand it never leaves. A thrown spear declares a sort of independence the moment it is released. The clear progression away from direct and immediate control made it possible for human beings, even in primitive times, to slide forward into extrapolation and to picture devices still less controllable, still more independent than anything of which they had direct experience. Isaac Asimov Frankenstein's monster changes the world it lives in, not necessarily by the destruction it causes. Its mind transfers from once being a man, to dying, to becoming the parts of several men. A new technology that changes not only possibility, but perception. For, as Steve Grand puts it, life is not made of atoms, it is merely built out of them. What life is actually made of is cycles of cause and effect, loops of casual flow. That is why, I think, the true horror of this story is that our imagination has an end, that the invention will exist that no longer needs the inventor. Yet, this seems to be our goal as a species. As stated by Asimov earlier, we seem enthralled if not possessed to replace our every need, our every responsibility with technology. Having been said, we do not all think this way. There is a growing statistic of rejection toward technological advancement. It has been with humanity, according to history, since the dawn of civilization. It's possible that most of us can relate to the idea. Consider a moment in your past, perhaps when you were young, where you can remember feeling unnatural or awkward in your surroundings. Your first trip to a city full of skyscrapers. The first time you witnessed a dentist laying out their tools or your first surgery. In fact, all of our first experiences with modern technology are apprehensive, but consider the difference in veracity. Compare how concerned you were with meeting your first wheelbarrow to your concern with meeting your first driving lesson. Or perhaps you grew up in one of the many metropolitans and had to leave the city for your first encounters with nature. Notice how it felt simpler and easier to understand your surroundings even if it was alarming to feel so far from accessible resources, like a gas station or a grocery mart. What is it that makes us distrust human technology? Was life before this modern world truly as dismal as the public school history book reads? In a world where everything is always being added on, where prices are always going up and abundance is always in demand, should we consider the idea of a limit? Welcome back, everyone, to Audio Pong. I'm your host, Marco, and with me, as always, our other host, Zach. How you doing? Great. How you doing, Marco? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. So today we're going to talk about technology. Well, I put it down as technological autonomy because that's an actual term. Okay, and what you is know, that term? That I... What is the definition of that? 
Um, basically, technological autonomy is um, technology that wields itself, that doesn't require mm. us. Uh, so basically, as our technology moves away from needing us to operate it, becomes more autonomous. So right, and creating bigger, better versions. Uh, presumably, that's how AI works. Yeah. Presumably, yeah. Um, one of the, uh, one of the, not, I don't know if I call it concerns, but one of the things I wonder about AI is whether it will have error or not, or how it will handle error like humans do. Because I don't think it's fair to say that just because computers and tech, uh, let's say computers and AI are honest because they're programmed to be so, you know, uh, to be honest, right? We, you know, a, a program is um, designed to deliver like a, a specific detail or a specific, uh, you, you know, solution to a problem, right? So it doesn't, it doesn't add caveats. It doesn't uh, uh, warm away, warm around its definition to explaining itself to us. Does that make sense? It's very yeah. honest. It's upfront. So, but that still makes, but because we believe that to be the, let's say the base of AI, the brain of AI, its core, I don't believe it's fair to think that it will not, that it will be without error in terms of error with itself. Right. I think the main error is going to be the communication between machine and human. Like that's where the error will come about. Like we think this is what it, it wants to do or we want it to do, but it doesn't understand that like killing all humans is not the best way to, uh, you know, promote peace. Like that's not the, the, what we really want, even though that might be the easiest solution and the quickest solution. So like that no, would be No, definitely, error. yeah. I actually, I think we already, I, I'm, I'm positive we suffer from that already. I'm sure like when our governments use highly complex uh, AI for espionage or for attacking other countries, I know I've read stories that they go, they go, uh, what's the proper word? They're, they go AWOL, they, they move away. A rogue they, AI. They, a rogue AI. It, 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 it plunges its, its uh, protocol into... Mm. you know other other realms other other pools of influence you know, i feel and like it ramp, runs rampant i've heard of russian like rogue ais before i feel like i've heard that term where like the like what you're saying is the, the ai just kind of like gets out of the control of the programmer and Correct. Yeah. just go deeper and deeper and then it starts to affect things they didn't really want it to affect and go into areas well even just from it leaving the environment to. its target environment right like with the um, I watched a documentary once on the program that the NSA wrote in conjunction with the Israeli version of the NSA. I think they're called B6 or something like that. Um, they're supposedly the best in the world, too. Um, the program was designed to destroy uranium farms in Iraq. Okay. And it got out. They don't know how. They they, they say it was accidental, but they, it doesn't sound like they know. Who knows? Maybe someone discovered the AI, the bot or whatever it is, the virus and downloaded it onto a laptop and took it somewhere else, but it found its way into South America and it began destroying um, power plants and other and causing havoc and trouble in other countries because it was the AI, the destructive AI was moved out of its, out of its environment, but it was still following its protocol, was still operating. And of course yeah. we deny that happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, I'm pretty sure it did. And I'm sure shit like that happens all the time because, you know, humans are full of, we're full of lying and error and, and all these other things. But that's what brings to question. I've always had the, my whole life I've had this idea of, as I mentioned in the intro, a limit. What, what is it that, why are we so hungry to always be advancing, always to be 
creating a new technology. I'm not saying that. Well, I mean, we're you feel we should that be drive, Amish, though, too, don't you? But I you, do, but you feel I, the I drive to always get in some the next level. I do, but I, I, I when I spend time with that emotion, with that line of thinking, mm-hmm. I discover something very troubling. It, it isn't me. It isn't natural. It's, it's habitual. I feel like I was really? raised to be that way, as opposed to I am that way if I'm left alone. And the, you know, every every day, really, I, I sort of I reevaluate I, I, that. Maybe, yeah, that could. I'm not saying you're wrong for yourself. Like that mm-hmm. definitely could be true for you. But for yeah. me, like just taking um, COVID, like lockdown, dude, I fucking flourished. I just I went ham on everything. I I went bigger and better on everything I did and everything I wanted. So. That was that was me left to my devices, and I decided sounds... to do something bigger and better with my life than just sit there yeah, and drink uh, all day or play video games. Right, but okay, but what would would you set limits for yourself though in your progress? Is I guess well, yeah, I don't want to hurt others, you know. I mean, okay, I but then like... that then yeah, then that's the example. I guess that's not the exception, but the example that's contrary, right? Because to give it like a good comparison i would say uh, look at corporations or governments right mm-hmm. okay once you get to societies are suffer yeah, yeah okay. why we are suffering now it's clear as day that, that our governments can lie to us all they want but it's clear as day that we are suffering from their lying from their own ambition there's no ceiling and you know it, it seems like when a corporate ceo is confronted like a president of, of a large company or conglomerate or a group of people it seems like their argument is so childish and simple the argument is that well that's the competition that if, if i don't compete <laughs> this way i will be destroyed by the competition what's well, like well then you're yeah. saying that even you are uh an employee of the corruption right you're saying right. that even you don't govern yourself or the power you wield i don't know if that's true or not that sounds like such a weak out well i don't me. think it's a it's a I don't think it's a good excuse, but I think it's the reasoning. I think the reasoning for doing bad things is because the neighbor next to you, if you want to compete with them, you too have to do. I mean, just look at steroids and like bodybuilding competitions. Like if you want to compete in the bodybuilding uh, competitions, you have to use steroids at, at that level. Like, Yeah. Are you even competing if you don't do that? Yeah, exactly. Well, only like, with yourself. Competing. Yeah. Well, yeah, only with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you're not, you're not, you're, you're not, not truly competing ideology you know, like with the ideology of, well, of not the just sport not just bodybuilding but look at and then yeah. to um even movies like uh, chris hemsworth dude he's not natural <laughs> and he's then yeah. then he's telling you how to get fit like him through his workout program and i'm like yeah but you're you're taking like trt replacement and stuff like that it's like come on now like you're right. just lying at that point like which is that's even worse like you want to do steroids and you want to do that cool that's that's on you but don't lie to me saying that I can get the same results that you can by by going the clean route and then take that into business too, though. I mean, look at Nike yeah. um, using like sweatshops and things like that, using child labor in uh, China exactly. and things like that. That's their that's their argument that they, they have to do it, right? Yeah. Well, which is I think it's a, a valid argument in the sense of that it's that that is true. Like that is true. If you want to compete in the way that it is now, you have to do those bad thing we'll see but i don't I think, think that makes yeah. it a, like okay like it's still the, bad right i think i think the demand for more is i don't like the. i don't think it's actually an inherent in most of us i think it exists only in those of us who are greedy um and to some degree maybe are stupid 
No, I, psychopathic, I think you're, and that's why they want power. Because I feel like when people are left alone with what they need, they don't seek more, right? They find they find. Um, well, they find a peace that they can achieve. But, but I think right, you were they right. Find the, satisfaction. I think you were right the first time that it's not an innate thing; it's a learned thing. So it's like as you're building up your business, you're seeing that you have to do these things to get to that next level. It's like okay, it's just it's just one more moral you know, uh, straw given away. It's just one more. Eventually you're left with no more straws and you're, you're just an immoral company and you're, and you're doing whatever it takes to get that next cent. Cause it's not even about dollars at that point. At that point, it's about like pennies that add up to billions of dollars. All right. That, well, that goes back to the conversation of, um, exploitation and irrelevancy because the exploitation of the, of the human, of the person, the laborer mm -hmm. is to make them like, an autonomous technology to make them, um, oh, who puts it, someone, and it's someone smarter than me put it very well once where, um, regardless of what your political view is, the per the perfect liberal human being is not a healthy thing. It's like putting a slug into a socket, right? They have, you know, they, you remove their complete, you remove their discretion, their, their imagination, their contempt, anything that is positive or negative about them. And you make them this gray thing that they're just open okay. to anything. In other words, I'm, I'm really bad with those kinds of terms. But what is a liberal person? That what I just described somewhat like the true, a, a truly liberal like framework for the ultimate liberal mindset is someone who's completely open to anything, okay. which is, I guess, in modern society, you would refer to it as like uh, a woke person, right? Right. Someone no, that just says saying. okay to anything. So like any, any identity, I imagine you're just open to, you just accept as reality. You don't question, you don't, you don't discriminate, you don't discern, you don't, you don't question, you don't, that I said it twice. It's important. That's why I said it twice. <laughs> yes. You don't, uh, you don't study, you know? Um, and that, that, that I, includes good things and bad things. In that well, that's the thing. I mean, that is the, yeah. that is the power of discrimination. I mean, when I say discrimination, I mean, I don't mean um, illogical or, um, or, pre or prejudice discrimination. Mm -hmm. I mean, the ability to discern or the, the, not the ability, that's a whole separate thing, but the, the <laughs> will, the, 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 the courage to discern what is good and bad. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, it's put, you know, it's put excellently in the movie planes, trains and automobiles when Steve Martin loses, finally loses his calm with John Candy in, you know, after his car has been burned and destroyed and they're in a motel. And he's like, you know, you, he complains to John Candy that you just tell, you know, you just, you, cha you chain anecdotes, but this is not verbatim. He's like, you chain anecdotes. He's like, stories have to have a meaning. He's like, that's how, that's why we discriminate. We, that's how we discern what is good and what is bad. And that's, that's what I mean as well. I think that's important and that is being treated. And the reason we're going into politics with this, because it affects our technology that we accept. That is, that is a softening. It, that works both ways when it comes to accepting new technology. It softens us up to just accept anything that is given to us, especially for free or cheaply. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Um, I mean, just look at how much privacy we've given away with smartphones being in our lives just for the convenience so, that they provide. But I mean, in the world now, you can't really live without it. It's like, how are you supposed to conduct business? How are you supposed to get anywhere, live your life. It's like, it's all, it's all done off your phone, everything, which yeah. is crazy. I, I really think that the phone's becoming like a second mind. It's like an NPC that you have like, you know, limited control over. 
Oh, I agree. I agree. I, I think it's Elon also Musk is right that we're cyborgs or we're androids, right? The 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 hang up is the input, you know, our thumbs. Yeah. Once we can connect our phones to our brains and that access, because I mean, how different is it? Like he, I think he even puts it this way: is if you have a question, you simply access your phone and ask it. And yeah. It gives you the answer. I mean, that's what a computer does, right? It's yeah. just way faster. I think that yeah, yeah, but I mean, the the better, the thing about the human mind is that it can. Uh, discern between what's the right answer and the wrong answer a little better because you could type in like uh something into google and it won't give you exactly what you're looking for especially when there's two there's one term that describes two different things and you're looking for the one maybe you're looking for the company and not the uh political group of this word you know who knows but no yeah and that's I, the well, I also... the human mind is that you can you have the ability to 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 uh filter through the bullshit a little more well i think that's what is i think we look at the brain if i may be so bold i think we look at the way the brain functions incorrectly because we treat the brain i and when i say we i include myself i mean i've only just come to this like sort of new philosophy we treat the brain like it is a computer right and it's and again to go to mention Steve Grand again, I think he is the one that wrote and made this point that um, the, we treat the brain like an assembly line, right? It's like an if then, like a computer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a sausage machine. Data goes in, it's it's filtered and it's it's produced and rearranged and defragged, and then it produces something, right? It produces right. some kind of an outcome or an action in the body. So I think that's a mistake. I think. Yeah, I think treating the brain like a computer is wrong. I think the brain is more like a complex heart because we separate the brain in that weird way. We we treat everything else in the body as an organ, but the brain we we categorize differently. We you know we we segregate yeah, it from the other which organs. Which I don't understand it's like mind and body. It's like, well, I mean, my mind is part of my body. There is just body, so right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah, I think that's where I contend. That that is where I do bristle the most with like um, religious or spiritual or more many spiritual beliefs, even though I consider myself spiritual in the sense of the word, um, that there's something separate between your mind and your body. Like you said, as if like Casper, the friendly ghost is driving a taxi and the taxi is your limbs and your heart and all your, all these things that are important to make you what you are. Mm -hmm. And yet they are somehow subclassed that, you know, because the driver's the important one, that the, the the spirit, the ghost that is operating this whole thing is separate. Right. Well, if I lose a finger, I'm still going to be pretty upset that I lost a finger just as much as yeah, I would I be mean, if I lost some right. of my mind. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is funny. It is really silly to me. I mean, also consider the the, the, the failure in like the ration, the logic of, of believing that your body's run by a spirit. Because if I am run by, let's say, the spirit of Marco, right? whatever that is, I never get to meet that, that Marco. He, he is for all intents and purposes, a separate being. Cause I never well, get to talk to of Marco, the conscious that your consciousness. No, he, that's what I'm saying. This, I never get to communicate that my thoughts just arrive. So I never get to actually communicate with what is actually piloting my physical body. So that's two separate things right there. So how could they be one that makes you no don't sense. communicate with yourself? You don't talk to yourself. Like, yeah, I don't think you're going to say what I mean. What I mean is I like the function. If you believe uh, in a spirit, in a soul, mm-hmm. right? You have to, you have to understand or believe also that you never directly communicate with that 
it runs you. You are the you are the last thing to know what is going on. It it, it delivers your thoughts, but it it can't be you if you are something separate, if your body is something separate. Since all you have to operate in this physical world, which is the only world we know, is yourself, is your body. Yeah, I guess I've always just thought of them all as one, but with just different names in that sense. You know, it's like your consciousness and your and your your body and everything. It's like these are all one thing. They're there's just different subclasses within it. Like take the brain has different so it has the hippocampus, the you know the prefrontal cortex and things like that. But it's still the brain. So it's still you know you are Marco. So but you have these different parts of yourself that are still one thing. I think the confusion comes in in the fact that we can't we can define everything except the consciousness, right? But anyway, I feel like we're getting off topic here. Um, so what interests me about technological autonomy is really um, another term, which I'm not sure is, cor is correct or appropriate, which is technological descent. Because I think that, that that can be confused for what it really might mean. But the idea that people um, rebel against technology. Have you ever felt that in your life? Have you ever experienced it, even even on your day to day? Are there, is there technology in our world that you have to deal with that you just wish didn't exist or cause? Yeah, you know, I think about, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's because it's just not, I mean, I don't wish that it didn't exist. I just wish it, it didn't have to be integral to certain aspects of my life. It was Say, so, take, like, that it's so like, prolific. Basically. Yeah. As is like, I just don't care about it. Like it doesn't mean anything to me. So I hate that um, if I want to like promote things, I have to use social media. Like that's the best way to do it. And it's like, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't know how to get it to work properly and everything. And it's just like, that's something I wish didn't exist. But I mean, that's a term like um, trying to fight against the things that are putting you out of like business or out of work. And that's like a Luddite. I mean, that like, that's how that started. A Luddite? Yeah, a Luddite. It was like a group in, let me see. It was like 1800s or something like that. It was like 1812. So it was right when they were coming up with the Industrial Revolu uh, Revolution and stuff like that. And machines were starting to take place of like the uh, weavers and things like that. And mm -hmm. um, so they were they were like these. It was a union before unions because um, unions were like illegal or something or like groups like that were. And mm. this is in um, England. And they, these group of people got together, so swore oaths to each other, and then um, went around smashing these machines. And they hmm. were like, and their reason for it was because it was going to put them out of work. And it already was putting them out of work. And they were used to be um, upper middle class workers because they were skilled laborers, like they were craftsmen, but no longer were their services needed. And they would go to like factory jobs, which were paying like nothing, like they couldn't live. Like they would have meat like uh, three times a day, or three times a week, sorry. And now they're having it maybe once a month. So it's like their standard of living just like crashed. Mm -hmm. Like, cause I mean, especially back then it was, it was pretty hard to get meat. Like it was hard to come up by because like, that's like your, that's your livestock. A cow does not oh, just provide my grandmother... meat, a cow often provides you milk. Same thing with goats and you know, it gets you cheese. Oh, it's a, it's a resource. It's like a, yeah, it's like a fountain. I mean, mm -hmm. my grandmother, grew up a peasant farmer in Bulgaria and they had meat on holidays. That's yeah. it. I mean, that was generally it because the, the meat was too valuable. They had to sell it to live. And that was just to, just to can, 
just to control their meager existence. You know what I mean? That was like still like you want to call it paycheck to paycheck. So except mm-hmm. your paycheck was a lamb with four legs. You know what I mean? <laughs> Something you had to feed and take care of and make sure it didn't get sick or stolen. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's the worst. Thieves for like uh, livestock thieves. Like that's got to be like, like that is literally your source of livelihood. Like that is how yeah. you're living. That's and like taking, like you said, a that. finger or, or my arm away from me. Yeah, that would be rough. Yeah. So that's... do you see yourself rebelling from uh, technologies? I've been rebelling with technology my whole life. Um, <laughs> and it, it upsets me in different ways. The two main ways it upsets me is one, it means that I don't conform well or at all. Uh, but usually I do cause I have to survive. This is the world. I can't change the world I live in. Right. Um, the best I can hope to do is to live it as much as I want my way. Um, and the second way is that, um, it feels unfair. I guess I'm, I'm a little entitled that way. It feels unfair that I'm not as ignorant perhaps as like other people. Like I don't, because I don't accept, um, a lot of our technology as well as others do. As you know, most people seem quite lith with uh, technology, right? Like it's uh, the greatest show on earth kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm all about it. I'm all about like increasing technology and making life easier and stuff like that. Like that's the whole purpose of of getting a new technology is for it to make your your day to day easier. I think my main you're, you're, problem is it restructures my morality. That's what I what I bristle the most with because I feel that by constantly exposing myself to the world and allowing others to expose themselves to me. Um, I don't know. It, it takes something away. I don't, I don't want to call it the mystery cause that seems so cliche, but there is something to be said about privacy. There is something to be said about setting limits, you know, and we live in, we like, as I said in the intro, at least the way that I believe we live in a world where, you know, there are no limits. Even if it's even in the words we use, the sky is the limit. Well, that's an old way of saying there is none, right? Right. You can just do whatever you want. You can, you know, there's, there's no limit to anything, but there are. And in nature limits are set. Well, I guess you could say naturally, even though that's kind of silly. Um, but you know, limits in nature are set by failure, right? Like the, the, my analogy for the river of life. Did I ever tell you that? I don't think so. All right. I'm, I'm taking a lot of time, but I'll just quickly explain it. So my analogy, I had this while I was tripping and I think I really pissed off a friend of ours, but we'll see. Um, my analogy, cause we were talking about like abortion and, and life in general. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I posed the, the idea that a man stopping life is more destructive than a woman stopping life. Cause a woman stopping life stops one life, but a man stopping life stops all life, his entire flow, his bloodline. So to put that into context, think of life as a river, right? And a river is uh, like a raging river. It, it's, it's dangerous. It's violent. It can, it can destroy and create, but it's full of all this life that wants to be. Mm-hmm. And that is the man. The woman is the shore, the bank. She gives life form. She gives it frame so it can be understood and it can prosper and it can do, it can exist in the universe, right? But along that shoreline, that's where destruction occurs. Most life dies. It doesn't mm-hmm. get to be, right? And a man that puts a stop 
into the river create puts a rock or a dam and forces life to go around him by saying i will not create life that's really kind of in my mind the uh, the definition of a supervillain right because going back to the selfish gene what that book unveils so eloquent, eloquently is that down to our very core right the very function of life is desperate and 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 um designed for lack of a better word to continue like that the meaning of life is to live as simple as that sounds but but that's what the evidence shows right down to the very genes and how strongly they compete and so in nature the limits of what can survive is determined by that failure right and you might even make another i'm going to make another strong comparison you know but again i'm not trying to be provocative i'm just trying to make a strong comparison is like think of like how we live think of all the modern science and access we have to medicine modern medicine that allows life that on its own and by life i mean human life that on its own would probably perish right people born with you know out their limbs or uh with a severe palsy or or any a number of genetic defects right just look at uh c-sections even C-sections is a technology that promotes that, life. There right. you go. Right. That in, in Before that, what was happening? Mothers and their babies were dying together. Mm-hmm. Usually, that was the outcome. Oh, yeah. You got a baby wrapped around its umbilical cord around its throat. Can't get it out naturally because it's just and like a And the mother bleeds to death. Because, yeah. Yeah. From her wounds trying to during birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, again, not to be provocative, that just to be practical, we have, in that sense, I guess you could say, technology is sort of like that analogy I made of, you know, the river and life, because it does make it it, in my mind, it does do that. We do, we do that with nature. We do that with life. We, we set no limits and, and, but, but, but in our, in our course to create more, we create all these interruptions in the flow of life as well. How important that is. I don't know. Maybe the universe doesn't give a shit. Maybe there's an endless number of earths with human like creatures on it that are arguing over their own, uh, you know, reproductive rights right now as well, and what technologies they use based on their environment. I don't know. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, so you, I guess I'm gotta... just re- I'm really confused about your your analogy with the uh, the river of life. Still, like, mm. how is man just dis- disrupts all life, and women disrupts only one life? Oh, because X is that in, I guess is my, well, be basically, well, sperm basically, because, uh, sperm is full of possible life. Right. And, and sperm is, is alive. Sperm is life. Technically it's an organism, right? It's a possible Mm -hmm. being. Mm -hmm. It has all the, it has, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like it is a life form. Um, but most of it is destroyed, right? Most of it dies. Yeah. Um, however, however that happens, that mostly it's very fun ways that that happens, but it well, does, I mean, it, it does occur. And so my analogy, right. Well, my analogy for the river of life is that not just sperm, but down to the very genes again, like Dawkins explains, um, our very genes are fighting to survive, right? They're trying to hold on to the best versions of themselves that can be reproduced so that they can simply ex- continue to exist because that's what life is life. Life is like, it's like a flow, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a solid thing. It's a constantly moving, developing thing. It's made up of solid things, but they themselves are made up of things that move and flow. So Mm -hmm. it's very strange. You know, existence is very strange. I don't think 
we definitely don't understand it as well as I think we do, you know, because, because again, we, we have to draw comparisons to the technologies we create. Um, and even if you go back in time, you can make the same argument. I think, I think ancient man described life by comparison as well. He just had to use more of his imagination than his science to do it because he understood less about yeah, his I environment mean, but I mean, in science detail. Still, I think science still requires imagination, requires abstract thinking. No, it does. I'm just saying the but, amount yeah. of imagination, the gap is, is closed, or at least is less imagination now and more science than it was, say, a thousand years ago, right? Because a thousand years ago, science was mostly observable, right? We right. didn't have microscopes. Yeah. We didn't have... We didn't understand germs or germ, th you know, or, or germ theory or any of those things or yeah. the fact that, that organisms. Yeah. That alone germ theory, just like wash your hands and it, you won't have patients dying on the table. What? Like, like that, yeah, that I mean, alone it's, is, is, is it's still kind of a magical idea, about, right? It's like, yeah. yeah. Well, cause Wrap you your can't head around see it, right? You can't see germs right. like air. It's like, it's like, yeah, there's this thing there. I guess, but I can't see it. And I can only see it when there's dust there. Well, it's the same thing with germs. You can only see it when you have like a microscope and you get down to the, this sub world that exists. But yeah. So I guess technology is supposed to bring happiness, right? Like that's kind of the idea. Well, isn't, isn't that why you buy things that are technology? I like, think yeah, technology brings profit. Why... I don't think it has anything to do with happiness. I think greedy. Then why humans... do you buy anything? That's because not of food and, and 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 not like you know just to get you somewhere why why would you buy a computer or a gaming system it's supposed to bring joy to you right branding it's a psychological effect that has been in that's why I, that's why i consider most of my thought habitual not natural because when i leave myself alone like when i go hiking to a top of a mountain in arizona mm -hmm. right and i sit there for at least it takes at least an hour for my mind to clear, for the noise in my mind to clear. And by noise, I mean like actual noise I think I can hear, not just thoughts and 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 visits from memories and weird shit like that. But when my mind is finally clear, I don't know how to explain it. It's like if somebody took my brain out and threw it in the middle of an empty pool, I can just, I feel comfortable, I feel peaceful. I can feel the space around me. I'm not concerned with want, or desire, you know, in, in when I have that clarity of mind, I, I don't, I don't, I no longer feel like a desire to get the next video game or to go and play or to go out drinking with my friends or to get the next, like, you know, bliss on tap resource. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that, that gonna, fades. Do you think you'd be just as happy living in that state though, for, you know, a year? I don't think I'd be as happy. I think it'd be more happy. I think, think you'd be more happy in, in in a year than you were in that next hour of being on the top. What do you mean? So you know, you said it took an hour to get to that mm -hmm. that point of that state of mind. Mm -hmm. But if you lived in that state for a year, you'd be more happy than after that first hour. Are you saying that my happiness would degrade? It's not even really about happiness. Yeah, well, because like, it's because you're going to you're it's going to be hard living. <clears throat> To live like that, it's not just like an hour. Okay, yeah, I'm there for. Well, no, 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 no. I'm there for the a idea few is not to can... live to anything, any state permanently stretched or any state in permanency is a prison. So I'm not talking about permanency. 
because even permanency is the idea of setting a limit, right? Something, something that you can just have forever, or at least until you die, right? I'm not talking, that's not what I'm saying. Happiness or even satisfaction is what I'm saying is that access to those moments is what brings satisfaction and makes me realize that I don't need a limitless lifestyle that I can have limits to what I do because everything in life has a limit, whether you want to realize it or not, everything has a, a lifespan, a, a moment where it ends and a moment where it begins. Okay. But I began. guess my question is then what's the difference between a video spending time in the video game or spending time in your, your nature walk? Like if they both bring you joy for a, a, a limited time, what's the difference? Why, why well, can't not, you, I don't know why technology actually, can still bring you joy. Just like the lack of technology and going out into nature can bring you joy. No, I don't, I don't think those, I, I don't, I, I think that's almost like a placebo for lack of a better word. I don't think that's th that joy or that happiness that you're referring to is not the same because a video game freezes my imagination, right? It turns me off. It allows me to be anesthetized or, or, or even, yeah, not anesthetized. What's a better word? Almost like, um, yeah, anesthetized. Like I'm being put under an anesthesia. My imagination is is completely shut off when I play a video game because the imagination is is from some another source now. It's being presented to me. All the fantastical things that I see in a video game or a movie or or, or even um, in a TV show or what have you, when it's all visual, when it's given to me like that, it's no longer using tapping into my imagination. When I'm left alone, I have nothing but my imagination. But even that is not is separate from what I'm was talking about earlier anyway, because I don't necessarily have to have either. And, and my, my point is that this idea that everything we want should be limitless. I don't think personally is healthy. I don't think having endless choice, endless access of anything is good. And it's weird to me that our technology and our lifestyle, our modern world is designed that way. And I don't feel that it came about naturally. I think, I think specific types of humans, let's just call them greedy or whatever, um, or psychopaths, whatever you want to call them, took power. Okay. And they weren't necessarily intelligent. I don't think some maybe very, but not necessarily overall. I think they're just ambitious and aggressive. And I think, a man like myself who really just wants peace and, and, and serenity in life wants to reserve his, his aggression and his violence when it's necessary. But some people use it constantly and they constantly go after what they think they want and there's no limit to what they want. And they, they have built a world where they, that teaches us where we should be the same, even though we're not. Okay. I mean, I agree that we're not we're not all the same, and that we don't we shouldn't act like we are. But I, I still think that the the purpose of my technology buying technology is to bring ease of life and to buy more time so I can do things. Because happiness to me does not come through um, just more stuff. You know, it comes through buying time to do what I want to be able to do. So, like you know, a dishwashing machine allows me to spend that time that I would have spent washing, like you know. 50 plates or whatever too. That's a lot, but that <laughs> to, to spend that time, you know, watching TV to, to relax to, or to go do a different thing to do, like, um, maybe go out to eat with a girl, you know, I can actually like, or take a girl on a day or whatever. 
I can actually spend that time that I would have done otherwise washing dishes, doing something that I think brings me joy, or at least less, you know, mundarity. That, to me, yeah, that's I, the point of te my technology that I buy it for. I think most, I think a lot of people live and agree, live that life and agree with that description that you gave. And I know I have lived and lived that way. I just have for a while now felt that it, it isn't right. It isn't natural because I feel that a lot of the things that we think we need that give us time um, are already taking up unnecessary time in a way themselves. So it's, it's like, well, what, what is, what are we saving that time for? As you said, so now you can, you've got more time to watch what more TV. You've got more time now to hit on a girl, you know, text her up, or maybe you've got more time now to well, take those, her out. I mean, those are just examples. I mean, you can spend that, you know, that time accumulates into the time that you could, um, be working on any other side project that you have that you want to be, that you're passionate about, you know, you could, you could use that time also to like, in a way all these, this time buying can make it so you can travel or go to a concert, things like that. See, yeah. What I'm saying is I, I, what I think, what I believe, at least this is my opinion, is that the idea that we live in a world of technology that saves time only is or only does so that we can waste time so that we can waste more time so that we aren't ambitious. And because we're certainly not taught that right in, in public schooling, there's, there's no class that teaches us how to save money. There's no class that teaches us how to use money. There's no class that, um, suggest we should, uh, start our own business. There's no training for any of those things when you're in school. In fact, what are you taught? You're taught how bloody and terrible history was because people didn't follow the rules and you should pick a career. You should pick something that will bring you uh, a retirement and a home and a family. And that way you can be just like everybody else who's falling into line, laboring at someone else's dream in order for you to feel successful in order for your peers and the rest of society to think that you're useful. And therefore you feel like you belong on the team, but in and, and at the same time, painting money is evil, even though the, the world is run by people who want to make money and not just make money, but create, uh, um, to create money, to create value. Right. And I think that's not an accident. I think, um, because the, global elites or the, whatever you want to call them, the, the people that run society, those that, that runs the groups that run society and maintain it, that manage it, uh, still need us to be laborers. That's the kind of existence they want us to have. What a really scary thought is what will happen when they don't need us, right? Like you mentioned, the Luddites losing their quality of life because their, their vocation, their skill was no longer needed. Mm -hmm. So they had to fight for their own purpose. That's a nasty fight. That's a fight of desperation. That's a fight it, to live. It, it was. It got so bad that um, people were being put to death for smashing machines. Like that's how bloody and bad it really got. There, there were literally wars on the like battles on the streets of people like yeah. shooting each other, like employees versus employers, and they were hiring like armed security and things like that. But 
Yeah. So but I don't. I don't know because I, I really think eventually we're just gonna have a UBI, like a universal basic income. Like that's gonna happen. Like that's the only way you can um, keep your society going at, at this at the end state because AI is gonna literally take over every facet of the world, and you can't really have. Um, an economy based off of uh, art, you know, it just doesn't really happen. <laughs> well, there's a, not, not everyone. There's a lot that. of ways to attack that. And I, I, I hope I, I'm, I'm not, not alive that UB, for that. I'm not saying, no, UBI no, you're not the, like uh, yeah. a perfect, uh, a good thing uh, or even a good a thing. Where I, I mean, I would love a UBI that way I could focus on things that I want to, but I mean, really, where's that money coming from? Then you're relying on the government, but I mean, I already rely on the government and I already rely on my paycheck from different companies. And what's the difference between a company and the government when it's like providing your life like that, you know? So it's like, well, if, if the company goes under, then you go under, if the government goes under, then you go under too. I mean, the government, well, it's not just about, yeah, but it's not just about like a complete end to things. I think what's even worse, because at least when something ends violently, something new can be created, right? Right. It's the like when, a, when right, the right. So like like when you have a proper revolution, let's say, right? You can have a whole new government. You can you can literally reconceptualize all of existence. So yeah. in my opinion, that can be a really good thing. What's worse to me is reducing the quality of life, like you mentioned earlier with the Luddites, mm -hmm. to a point where it is just so dismal and the the idea of a, of, a, of a UBI, I don't think would come across as something wonderful for us because look what's already happening. They're already by you already you've already got like we spoke about in uh, the Great Reset. You've got large, you've got conglomerates and billionaires buying up land and farmable land, right? Mm -hmm. And not just farmable land, but houseable land, right? The entire right. push right now, global globally is to get people into apartments, into, into renting, not to owning. I, I think about that a lot because that is an example of what they really want. They want us reduced to a UBI, okay? But at the most basic level, like a like China's CCP like their, or India's caste system, right? Mm -hmm. The most basic level of, of existence. But that doesn't mean that now that you just have all this free time and a free paycheck to go do other wonderful things, your access to wonderful things doesn't exist anymore you're now reduced to a much lower quality of food of entertainment right and the only way the only way to the only way to sort of fill the sponge of your or to drain the sponge of your woe and your stress is to basically create a matrix like the movie to plug you into a virtual world which social media is the cradle of so that you can escape your real existence so we live in what escape? We're, we're becoming an, an escapist society, right? We don't want to. We don't want to be at one with nature anymore. I mean, we've separated ourselves in every way we 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 think we can. I mean, we we live behind walls our whole life. You know, mm -hmm. we're never really we're outside as tourists. <laughs> we don't live outside. We visit outside. That's very strange to me. I mean. I mean, think? it's strange to the rest of the, the world, the animal world. Yeah, for sure. Like we are definitely a unique in that circumstance that I agree. We visit the outside. We don't really live in the outside anymore. Um, I don't know if that's a bad thing. I think it's not good when you are forced to be outside and then you don't have the skills to survive or the. Well, it's a bad thing for modern man. It's a bad thing for us because we are, we're the dog, we're the house dog or the house cat. Right. 
our muscles are weak, our wit right. is weak, yeah. our instincts are dulled, right? How long we don't we don't have to often be vicious. We're you know, most people I would think are quite meek. You yeah, know, if you ask it's me. Not, it's not a violent world like it used to be, that's for sure. Well, I mean, especially here in Illinois, most people really don't defend themselves unless they're completely crazy. And boy, we know who those people are. But I mean, you know, it's just there's no there's this this there's this I don't know, it feels like an attack. It feels like an attack on our self pride. You know, why doesn't that mean that like again, going back to the example, I forget who said that or who wrote it, but the again, regardless of your political view, a perfectly liberal person is is a great thing. It's not a it's not a healthy thing, right? To just be to just convince yourself that you're open to everything. And and that right. and that and that kind of mind, if if that's your if that's your natural state, like if you don't have to lie to yourself, most people I think lie to themselves about what they think is healthy or okay. Right, because they want to be accepted by whatever the social norm is. Yeah, that's the. That's the I mean, I do it. I'm sure you do it sometimes. Illusions. Yeah, I mean, we all lie to ourselves in front of others when we want to just be accepted or left alone. But deep down, we might not agree or even vehemently disagree with something that we see. Yeah, uh, you know, right. But they. What about the mind? Thankfully, I hope this is rare. But what about the mind that that isn't lying to itself? That really, truly believes that it can be accepting and open of, of absolutely anything. I mean, that is a very destructive mind. That mind is, you know, well, I don't, get I don't, the new codes to that brain, to that I person. feel like I don't have to accept everything, but I can let anything be. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have to accept your your ideas, but I can let you live with you. And if you think that way, you can continue to think that way. I don't have to make you see things the way I see them. Even if I think you're completely wrong. I really wish that's the world we lived in. I wish people would just have their beliefs but didn't impose them. Unfortunately, they're, everything is imposed and it's backed I, I by technology. It's backed by branding. It's backed by all this psychological warfare. Yeah. I think that's the all problem, for what? Though, is, is, that, is that other people trying to make change other people's ideas. I mean, as long as you're not outwardly hurting anyone, what's, what is the harm? Like, why can't you just let that person think and live how they want like if they want to be called uh, a fairy femme like that's good cool that's your pronouns whatever i don't care like and if i if i like you and we're friends yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna talk to you how you want to be talked because you know that's just polite but like if i don't like you and i think you're a horrible person i'm not gonna concern myself with uh changing my speech because because you're not you know a polite person why should i be polite to you Right there. I mean, that should still matter. I, I agree. I think even just a modicum of respect needs to exist. I think it was even, um, who was it? Maybe it was Robert Heinlein. I have 20 quotes in my head. Um, I love Robert Heinlein. When I discovered him, I actually felt terrible because I felt like a lot of my philosophies that I had were pretty unique. And then I realized <laughs> that I just, <laughs> Robert Heinlein, <laughs> It's is the prototype for me. If you want to look at it that way, like there's always someone in history. You're always going to find someone in history that's as smart yeah. or smarter. And um, um, well, quit saying his name. That way, you can be him. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> well, like for like I for for all my life, one of my favorite things, like quotes that I thought I invented, was you know, ignorance is curable, stupidity is not. Mm -hmm. Right. And I said that at a job. I said it all over. It's like one of the quick quips of advice I like to give. And then I this when I discovered Robert Heinlein, that's literally one of his famous famous quotes is something very similar to that. It's basically oh, that's so that. funny. Yeah, so it's like, all right, well, somebody already wrote Game of Thrones. I can throw out my script, you know. <laughs> but um, now I forget where I was going with that. But yeah, no, I think 
um, I don't know. There, there is, um, it's like the old sayings goes, ignorance is bliss. I, I, I hate, I hate to say it, but I, there really is a part of me that wishes that I could just be reborn beautiful and stupid, you know, just so that I could fit into this world better that I didn't think about it all the time because how useful is thought that you can't, that doesn't produce action. You know what I mean? That's just, that's just, how would you diagnose that? That's just, whoa. <laughs> it's a waste. <laughs> it's it's a, a waste it feels of, like a waste. Of, of energy is like when you have all these desires and all these different things, that's like, um, like I, I really wish the world was this way, but it isn't. And I can't do anything to, to change it. But then you just ruminate on it. It's a waste of energy. So you just feel defeated because it's like you don't get to to enact those desires in any way. But so, what would your final thoughts be on technological autonomy? I know. Well, let me put it. Let me rephrase that. If you could change one thing about our modern world as far as technology is concerned, what would it be? Uh, not me being the product. Like I don't mm. want, I'm tired of, cause when, by the time that I found out that I was the product of social media, of any average, anything that runs off of ads and I'm being, my data is being sold by what I view and all that stuff. It was, I was already in too deep, you know, I already had like my, my fingers in the pie, so I couldn't uh, retract easily. So if there was anything that I could change about technology, it would be that the the user was no longer the, the product. Yeah. What would you no, change? Perf- no, that you, you nailed it. Um, I can't think of a better answer than that. I don't want to, that that's perfect. I agree. I think, um, I think that's something I've, it's funny cause I've been thinking about that pretty much since I was a teenager. I want to say when I was ever since I was 14 or 15 was my first major like in enlightenment phase you know that's mm-hmm. when i discovered a, it's really I, I started reading a lot and i started like educating myself on on any topic i could find like i mean even if it was you know benign or silly to me like witchcraft or you know woodworking like i would i have books that, <laughs> like if you could see my old library of books you'd be like what, is, what the hell is this, guy, is this guy the next ted kaczynski like what is he gonna do like build a summoning hut you know what i mean like this is so weird like my book layout but that was something i've i've always felt that we are exploited, you know, mm, and yeah. that it's so sad that what saddens me is that we we could be living in this, that we do live in a beautiful world. And even though nature itself is nuanced and violent, that that that, that is part of its beauty. And I would rather live in some some version of that kind of balance as opposed to this casino that we live in, right? This loud boisterous violent you know theme park that is modern life and it and it 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 really upsets me that that we have been convinced since we since birth that this is that this is what reality this is what reality is this is what life should be this is what we should be doing with the earth this is what we should be doing with ourselves and i guess what we should eventually be doing with the universe i mean can you imagine i mean imagine Take take the example of the AI I gave earlier of being falling in the wrong hands and, and then spreading to the wrong environment and yeah. apply that to humanity. Imagine if we escaped Earth. My God, what would we do? 
to the universe, right? How much, how much more iron do we need? How many more tablets and humans do we need to create? And what, what do we do with that profit? You know, is it just for opulence? Is it just for more sex with 14 year old hookers on an Island? Is it just for more supersonic jets to get us to like the best cocaine? You know what I mean? Like, what, what is it? What are you really all doing that for? What is all that that flex, that bend of power? Is it just pride? Is it just ego? If you lost it, how difficult, how terrible would your life really be? And I just that that thought saddens me the most. That we that's the world we live in. This gross place. This perverted place. And I'm an atheist. <laughs> I think it would make more sense if I was like a Christian or something, because then I could just say, "Oh, that's the devil's work." I gotta. You know, I gotta, oh, you would have something I to make to blame. sure I pray and yeah, I'd, I'd have I'd have someone to blame and someone to thank. I don't. That's um, yeah. that's like what is that movie with Mel well, Gibson? You, you do. Uh, it's just your fellow human. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. You're right. No, I mean, there is someone to, to thank and blame, and that's us. I just yeah. wish. I think maybe there you go. Maybe that's a philosophy we need to adopt: is giving ourselves credit and blame, like we should be doing. Oh, for sure. That's that's one of the things that frustrate me the most is when. Um, when you when you thank God for th when things go right and you blame the devil when things go wrong, it's like no, that's just kind of like what happened. That was either your fault or, you know, maybe it was just the the random number generator. It was just time, you know, like because eventually something will go wrong. You do the same thing over and over again. Eventually, something's going to happen. You, you you can't stop it. So I, I really think that it's it's up to it's up to you to do all you can um, to make the best possible outcome and. If it doesn't come into fruition, well, then it just, you know, just didn't work out. You did all you can, and that's okay. If you like what you're hearing, or even if you don't, that also helps. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're still listening, then please consider supporting the show. We're working hard on our passion to create quality content, and we want to bring you much more. Indeed, we've got big plans for what we want to add to Audio Pong, and we'd also love to hear from you, the audience, on topics or content Zach and I can create for you. Visit AudioPong on RedCircle.com for more information on where to support the show and where to listen. Also, feel free to contact us directly through email with AudioPong at gmail.com. Be happy. Be healthy. And, and have, have a metal, metal life. life.